Hey, welcome back, baseball fans, to another episode of Rounding Third, the baseball podcast. Another division preview as we ramp up for the 2022 MLB season. This this episode will be covering maybe the most lopsided division in baseball, the AL Central. Today, today I, consider I consider myself, myself the, luckiest the luckiest man, man on the face, on of, the the face of the earth. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, episode 20 of Rounding Third, the baseball podcast. We are now covering our second AL division. As I said, we're prepping up for the 2022 MLB season, which I could not be more excited for. Um, we're just about a week and a half out. April 7th is opening day. And this is a pretty interesting division that we have lined up today. The AL Central um, contains the Chicago White Sox, the Minnesota Twins, the Cleveland Guardians, the Detroit Tigers, and the Kansas City Royals. It's a division that's, you know, rather lopsided. Uh, the, the White Sox obviously won it last year, and they are minus 195 to win it again. And so when you have a team that's, like, you know, 2-1 to one coming into the season to win the division, it's pretty lopsided. But there are some interesting storylines with some of the other teams that we'll get into. Uh, obviously, the Twins picked up some players like Carlos Correa. Uh, we have... Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. on the Royals set to make his MLB debut, the number one prospect in all of baseball. The Tigers, Javi Baez, a new coach. Um, lots of optimism surrounding that organization. And the Guardians, I mean, I, look, I live in Cleveland right now. I'm a Guardians fan, second to the Cardinals, but I'm a follow of the Guardians. I don't know how much I can trust in this team, but we'll jump into it. James, um, it's, I'm glad to be back. AL Central. What are your thoughts about the AL Central in general before we jump right into the discussing the Chicago White Sox? Yeah, I think you kind of touched on it, but you have a team, the Chicago White Sox, that are are so much better than the rest of the teams. I mean, I think it was in the National League East uh, preview you were talking about. There's a step in between, um, you know, the teams there where there's a three and then a step and a step. I mean, to me, there's a the White Sox, a gigantic step, the Twins, a bigger step than the first step, and then everyone else uh, in a non-discriminate order. Quite frankly, I think it's going to be probably the least exciting division in baseball um, to watch. I mean, there's really not a bunch of teams here that are like games here that I'm like, man, I really can't wait to to watch. So I think it's it definitely is a little bit understaffed or uh, underpowered, but that also leaves some interesting holes, uh, in my opinion, for the Minnesota Twins that I will touch on later. Yeah, and the Twins, like the past couple years, so obviously last year the Twins came off an AL Central title, but last year they finished bottom of the division, which was kind of a surprise to a lot of people after, you know, they had a pretty good run of a couple years being pretty good. Um 
And now I guess we'll see if they can get back to that. But before we start, so wrapping up last year, the White Sox obviously won the division with a record of 93 and 69. They were one of the top teams in all of baseball. Um, And we kind of expect it to go that way. Again, they lost the Astros in the playoffs. Uh, Following them were the Guardians, who were 13 games behind the White Sox last year, finishing 80 and 82. Three games behind them were the Tigers, 77 and 85. The Royals were three games behind them at 74 and 88. And the Twins were one game behind that at 73 and 89. So the White Sox were the only team to finish above 500 in this entire division. And so looking into 2022, we have the Chicago White Sox at minus 195 to win the division. Twins at 5-1, to one, Tigers at 7.5-1, to one, Guardians at 9.5-1, to one, and then wrapping it up are the Royals at plus 1,500 to win the division. Um, and so we're actually, you know, sometimes we just randomly put these teams as we go through them, but we're actually going to kick it off. Um, we're going to go in order of the odds. So kicking it off, we do have the Chicago White Sox, who have an over-under of wins at 91.5. They have the fourth-best odds to win the American League at plus 500. And like we said, they're basically the juggernaut in this division. It's their division to lose. They're led by longtime Cardinal manager, Hall of Famer, Tony La Russa. And really every part about this team has a lot going for it, starting with their rotation. They have Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, Dylan Cease, Dallas Keuchel, um, I mean, there's not much more to say. Lucas Giolito, I, I've had some questions about him in the past. In 2018, you know, he was actually the worst starter in all of baseball. He had like a six and a half ERA. So worst starter among qualified starters. But ever since then, he, he's been really good. You know, he's boys with Jack Flaherty and Max Freed. I think they all went to high school together. He's 26 years old. He strikes out a lot of guys. has a K rate over 10 per nine innings. And... But he's yet to have a season with a sub three and a half ERA. <clears throat> His whip still hovers around 1.1. But you know, at this point, after having a terrible 2018 and slowly getting better and now becoming, you know, maybe even the ace of this team, I'm not sure I would say he's the number one guy. But he is getting better. And now the question is, how much better can he be? Which I uh, see, I don't know how much better he can really be. Um, but behind him, who I think is the number one ace, longtime Cardinal, I, I should stop saying that, but he was a longtime Cardinal, Lance Lynn, who finished, he's finished in the top six in Cy Young voting the last three seasons. He had, Last year, he had an ERA at 2.69, a whip at ones, strikeouts over 10 per game. I think he's, you know, one of the most electric pitcher, pitchers in baseball, especially in the American League. To finish top six in Cy Young, including a third place finish, I think last year, you know, he's one of the he's one of the great guys. And then you have some young guys surrounding him. Um, Dylan Cease, I think I hope I'm saying that last name right. Um, but he's only 25 years old. He led the American League in strikeouts per nine last year at 12 and a 12.3 strikeouts per nine innings, which is pretty great. Started 32 games. Still a young guy. I think um, I expect him to maybe even make his first all-star game this year. If possible, I think he'll have a great season. And then Dallas Keuchel, who has had a rough couple years since he won that 2015 Cy Young Award winner. But, you know, he's a five-time gold glover. He's your fourth option on this team. So, you know, you can't really go wrong with having him as your fourth option. This is a pretty good rotation, James. Um, 
how do you feel about that? And then like, obviously they have a great bullpen too. What do you think about their bullpen? Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with your point. Lance Lynn, to me, is the ace. Um, I think it's also important to note with the White Sox that in the free agency, they lost um, uh, Rodon to San Francisco. So, you know, that they're going to have to make up for that. But as you say, this is still a pretty strong one through four. Um, definitely the best rotation in the division. And I completely agree with your sentiments. I don't think that there's a higher peak for Giolito. Um, I think he kind of just is what he is, but that's a really strong second option behind Lance Lynn. Um, you know, a lot of upside here. And then their bullpen has a couple really good high leverage guys. Uh, Liam Hendricks, you know, he's two-time all-star, two-time reliever of the year. Setting him up, you have Craig Krimble, uh, another longtime Cardinal. Uh, uh, and then he also was, <laughs> he was on the Cubs, but <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, long time Cardinal hater. Uh, but I was going to say he also <laughs> came over from the Cubs cross town, uh, kind of in that giant unloading of twenty uh, the twenty sixteen World Series team, uh, Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, uh, and all of that offloading. He made his way to the south side of town, uh, and that's a huge arm, uh, eight times All Star. Uh, you know, he struggled so far uh, in spring training. He really didn't perform at the end of last year after the trade deadline. Too great for the White Sox. Uh, so interesting yeah. to see what happens there. Yeah, I think the thing with him is he's like, he's usually a closer guy. Um, and obviously they have Liam Hendricks, who is just an absolute animal. Um, like, he might, like, maybe only Josh Hader is better than him, if anybody. But Craig Kimbrell, I mean, I think they're going to try to find a trade suitor, but it, it doesn't seem like they've had any luck, and he hasn't been too good as a setup guy. So I'm not sure how they're going to deal with him. And, you know, maybe he can perform out of the pen not being the closer, but I guess that's something we'll have to see if he stays in the White Sox. Yeah, and then I think, you know, this is going to be a super strong offensive lineup as well to complement all that pitching. Also, not to be lost, is uh, Kendall Graveman out of the bullpen. Uh, pretty good middle reliever guy. Can throw high leverage innings if needed. Um, so that's a pretty well-rounded bullpen to back up uh, what's a very good start in rotation. And then the offense is really there. Obviously, you have uh, Tim Anderson. You know, you've got Jose Abreu. Um, who was 2020 AL MVP, just a monster at first base. Um, Tim Anderson, obviously super fun. Uh, shortstop, hit the walk-off in the Field of Dreams game. Uh, lots of speed, really solid defensively. Yasmani Grandal, um, who's kind of bounced around the league, but one of the top catchers, great hitter. Um, you know, you also have Luis Robert in center field, young guy, but, you know, five-tool guy. Um Eloy Jimenez, I mean, really the list just goes on and on and on. But pretty much everywhere you look on this roster, you've got pretty solid batting and then really good defense, a lot of speed, a lot of intangibles throughout this lineup. Yeah, I think you said it well. I mean, this is just – this team has a lot of good players. Like you said, Tim Anderson, I think he's one of the most electric players in baseball. Super good hitter, super good leadoff hitter. He's batted over 300 for three straight seasons. Um, yeah, uh, Jose Abreu, like you said, the 2020 AL MVP, this is actually his last year on contract with the White Sox. So I think he signed a $50 million deal. 
I forget when, like maybe three or four years ago. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. I'm most excited about their 23-year-old center field, Luis Robert, who, you know, it's actually crazy. He's he's only 23. He's a 5-2 player. He batted 338 over 68 games last year, and he's like getting a lot of hype for AL MVP for somebody that hasn't spent a lot of time in the majors at all. But he's getting over 23% of the bets and 27% of the money on him to win AL MVP. He's 22 to 1 on DraftKings right now. So there are high expectations for him to to really perform and take this team to another level. Um, but yeah, like you said, a lot of young talent. Eloy Jimenez, 24 years old, silver slugger. Lurie Garcia, who's been with the White Sox um, longer than anybody. Um, super consistent hitter, even Gavin Sheets. This is a really good team, a really good young team. I mean, it makes sense that they are the clear favorites in this division. This is just a good team in in every aspect, the rotation, the bullpen, and a super, super exciting lineup to watch. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's just there's not a ton to say on this White Sox team because really not too much has changed. It's kind of the same product we saw last year absolutely terrorize this division, you know, and was in a position the whole year to, you know, at least contend for a World Series. Um, obviously, that didn't end up happening at the end of the season. But, you know, I think this is more of the same, as you said. It's their division to lose. You know, if they play, if they stay the course, if they play how they've played and just lean into the fact that they have a better bullpen than the rest of the division, a better rotation than the rest of the division, and a better lineup, you know, one through nine, than the rest of the division, they're good to go. I mean, that's really it. Yeah, this is a super exciting team. And I, like you said, pretty much the same team as last year. You can fully expect them to finish at the top of the division um, and, and compete for a World Series. I mean, this is one of those maybe five or six teams in all of baseball that is in you know the real hunt to win a World Series. So they're the juggernaut of this division. They're the team to beat in the division. But... You know, some of these other teams have have some players that can make a difference and could maybe push um, push the White Sox a little bit. And let's start with the Twins. Uh, they have an over under of eighty one and a half wins, so they're expected to be just around five hundred. Um, they're they are led by Rocco Baldelli, who's been their manager since twenty nineteen, uh, where he won Manager of the Year with that team that I think finished with the best record in the American League, but I might be wrong. They have an interesting rotation. Obviously, they picked up Sonny Gray from the Reds, which we touched on before. Um, they also have Dylan Bundy, who spent the last two seasons with the Angels. He did not pitch well last year. They have Joe Ryan, who only has five starts in the majors. And they also have Bailey Ober, who has only spent one season in the majors and had a decent year. So this rotation's really shaky. Even Sonny Gray, who's supposed to be the ace, I don't have a lot of confidence in him. I, we, we spent a while talking about him when he was initially traded, so we don't need to jump back into it. But a lot of question marks about him. Out of the pen, they have Taylor Rogers, who was an all-star last season. So, you know, decent people out of the pen, out of the bullpen, but, you know, nothing to compete with the White Sox level. And then quickly down their lineup, they have Carlos Correa, who they obviously picked up. A lot of new additions. So Carlos Correa who's superstar, superstar. Gary Sanchez, Gio Rochello, they got from the Yankees in the Josh Donaldson trade. They also have Byron Buxton, who's a super electric guy, um, great leadoff hitter, and Jorge Polanco at second, who's solid, consistent. Actually, has similar batting numbers to Correa that I noticed. 
Um, a little lower OPS, but similar averages. So, I mean, like, look, they have some decent players in their field. Carlos Correa is obviously the leader there in Byron Buxton. But uh, if this is the team that has the second best odds to win the division, I think um, this division is kind of in trouble of being really lopsided. I'd like to see the Twins push the White Sox a little bit. But unless some of these younger pitchers and Sonny Gray, unless they have some really good seasons and you are and you get really high offensive production from some of these players, um, I think the Twins are going to be in a bit of trouble again. But but we'll have to see. I mean, James, is that how, how you kind of gauge the situation in Minnesota? Do you think this team is the second best team in the division? Or how, how do you feel about the Twins? Yeah, to me, I think it's it's pretty clear that they're the second best. It's also my understanding that they may have Kenta Maeda, who's kind of trying to heal and get into that role, who could potentially come out of the rotation, um, who could maybe find some of that old form the last couple of years. He's looked real rough, um, but that could be an option. You know, I think it's a really solid lineup. And I try to think of it from the perspective of a Twins fan, you know, Going into the lockout, this was a team who looked terrible, as you mentioned, um, really didn't have a lot of upside, and they made a ton of moves really quickly over a two-week span to instantly become very competitive. Um, I'd like to see them get up and push with the White Sox. I don't think they'll be able to unless, like you said, Sonny Gray has to return to Oakland Athletics version of him. You know, I mean – a lot of things have to go right for them to be able to really push there. But even if they could keep it competitive, you know, up until August, um, that would be exciting. But I do really think that the Twins, one, I think they make the playoffs because of how uh, top-heavy this division is. Mm. So those bottom teams are so bad that I think they're going to consistently beat up on them. And even though they have not great pitching, I think they're going to be able to just win you know, what I would call the baseball version of a shootout, you know, just a slugfest, you know, double-digit runs for both teams. I think they'll win a lot of that, and I love their season over. Uh, I mean, if you were to bet the over, you are effectively betting they win 82 games, meaning that you're betting they go just above 500, one game above 500. I think this lineup is good enough to do it in a division that is this banged up, or really this bad. They're not really banged up, they're just bad. I think that's an interesting prediction with them making the playoffs. Um, it, I think the point you made is good, isn't that like, yeah, look, they're going to be playing the Royals, the Guardians, the Tigers, some teams that are young, not really developed, and don't expect to compete much. And their new additions could, you know, allow them to get a lot of wins. I also do like the over. The only thing I would say about the about the playoffs is. So you get three wildcard teams. We talked about the AL East where you have Yankees, Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Tampa Bay. And then in the AL West, you have, you have Houston, you have the Angels who might make a run, even the Rangers who have some players. And like we said, the Mariners who are really good now too. Um, so so it'll be a competition, but, but even though those teams are all good, they're all going to be kicking each other's ass all year that they might not end with the best record and a team like the twins might just be there to spoil the show and kick a team like the, the, the Red Sox or the Yankees out of the playoff contention. So it is interesting there. Yeah, I think that it's going to be interesting. I think that they do find themselves in a disruptive role. Cause like you said, that AL East is going to be brutal uh, just because they really are so, 
you know, competitive. Uh, I, I like the Twins in that case. We'll see if they try and do anything at the deadline. I'm not sure that I would come out and say that this is a team's team that for sure is going to end their curse of not winning playoff games because the pitching is so rough. Um, but some interesting things could could happen there. I'm also really high on Byron Buxton. I think when healthy, you know, he's a super quick guy, uh, causes havoc on the base path, incredible defensive center fielder, uh, really big bat. You know, I think Byron Buxton is on my short list for AL MVP watch. Uh, I'm not sure I would quite say like that's that's nice. the guy I'm right. on, but definitely on the wall. No, I like that prediction. Um, you know, I, I, he is like super quick guy can get a, get on base a lot, get a lot of hits, especially in that leadoff spot. I like it. I like how you said this team's kind of in that disruptive role. I think that's a, that's a good way to describe it. Um, but I think we just go ahead and continue on here. Um, now we. I, th- I think, like you said at the beginning, there's maybe even a bigger, a larger step here between the Twins and the three other teams. We're going to talk about the Guardians, the Tigers, and the Royals. Um, and next, we're jumping into the Guardians. Who, so I guess I made a little mistake when I said we're talking about in order of odds to win the division. Uh, the Tigers actually have better odds than the Guardians, but the Guardians come in at plus 950 to win the division. This is a team that's really made no big moves in the offseason. They have one of the lowest payrolls in all of baseball. Um, you're seeing a team that's pretty much the exact same as it was at the end of last season where they finished 80 and 82, just under 500. This is a team that always just seems to be good, but not good enough. Like, you know, they're not at the bottom of the division. They're not struggling every year and getting good draft picks, but... They are able to produce good talent in their prospect system. They have one of the best prospect um, pools in all of baseball. They're amazing at developing pitchers. And they really do have a a pretty solid young rotation that I think can provide them a lot of value. Obviously, you have Shane Bieber, who might not be fully healthy yet. He was still recovering from his shoulder injury, but he's the ace of aces. I mean, he's a super Cy Young candidate, one of the top pitchers in all of baseball when he's healthy. You have Zach Plezak, Cal Contrell, Tristan McKenzie. Um, This is a really young, good rotation that if they're pitching well, you know, you never know. They they could not allow a lot of runs and and maybe really do well. Um, Looking at their lineup, obviously you have Jose Ramirez, who is, you know, the best player on this team by far. He's one of the best players in baseball since 2017. Only Mike Trout and Mookie Betts have a higher wins above replacement than him. He's an amazing player. Um, I can't wait to be going these going to these games and singing the Jose song in the stands. You got Ahmed Rosario, who's been there uh, shortstop. Like I said, I mean this is mostly the same team. You have Miles Straw, who's you know a fantastic center fielder option, great defender probably their best outfield option in an outfield that's super weak. Um, but he will be a sure thing in that lineup. And then you have some some players that will provide you, you know, above average returns, but not all-star level, like Franmil Reyes, who's a good DH. He'll be able to get on base, hit some home runs. And then the player I'm most looking for forward to seeing is Stephen Kwan, who hasn't played in the majors yet, but a super high prospect who... If he's able to repeat the numbers that he's been putting up 
in um, in Columbus on the Clippers um, and, and in, the, in the the Guardians minor league system. He could be a really fun player to watch. But like I said, this is a team that has a lot of young talent, a lot of prospects coming up the pipeline. Um, but they they are not going to compete this year. I mean, let's just be honest. You know, you never know. I guess. Um, they've got a lot of good infield options. Bobby Bradley at first, Austin Hedges at catcher, which, you know, isn't necessarily the best thing in the world. But this is a team that, you know, they played together a while. They've got a lot of young talent. The pieces could come together. You get Shane Bieber, Jose Ramirez having, you know, some more prime seasons. I guess you never know what'll happen. But I'm not super high on this team. Their over-unders at 76 and a half. I mean, James, what do you think about the new Guardians, the inaugural season of the Cleveland Guardians? Uh, I'm not super high on it, but what do you think? Well, I tried to give you your fun because I know you're a quasi-Guardians fan. I don't have a lot of anything positive to say about this team, this franchise, anything. It's a terrible name. Uh, It's an organization who, as you remember, in 2016 was one rain delay away, one inning away, one at-bat away from a World Series title. They blew up that roster of one of the best rotations in baseball have reassembled one, got Shane Bieber here, but it is an ownership group and the Dolan specifically. I have no reason to believe you're listening, but if you are, sell the damn team. It is a travesty. You have Jose Ramirez, as you mentioned, a credible war. His advanced analytics put him amongst the best of the best in baseball. Completely all the advanced statistics are in his favor. Shane Bieber, in my opinion, is the best pitcher in the American League. When healthy, I don't think it's even close. Uh, And to think that you could have one of the best players by advanced analytics in the field, have the best pitcher in the division and refuse to spend money elsewhere to get better. uh, Quite frankly, it's just stupid. I'm also very, very high on Tristan McKenzie, though. I think he's going to be a stud for a long time. Really excited to watch his development. And I'm sure I'm going to all come up... uh, make the trek up and catch a couple Guardians games with you. Max, if anything, we'll do some live pods. But it is amongst my biggest pet peeves, the organizations. I know everyone, a lot of people hate that there's not a luxury tax in baseball and it's top-heavy and it's not fair. I think there's as much earnest on the teams at the bottom of the payroll list who refuse to spend money as there is problems at the top. I mean, so on that reason, it's just, it's very frustrating. They have a very good team with some pillars there that if they spent a little money, made a couple acquisitions, you know, there's no reason this team could not be better than the twins easily. If they would have signed Carlos Correa or got involved in that, maybe they'd start to make an edge. So I wish they spent a little bit. I don't think there's a lot to watch here. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Shane Bieber does. I'll definitely let, try to catch a couple of his starts. That's my breakdown. On- <laughs> I mean, I think that's fair. Maybe I was being a little too optimistic. I mean, I will say they have one of the best farm systems in baseball, but I think you made a good point that like this team doesn't really have a lot going for it. It doesn't like to spend a lot of money. They have one of the bottom payrolls in all of baseball. I think they're spending like $30 million compared to the Dodgers who spend like $250 million. But uh, uh, Let me just put it into perspective. Newly acquired recent uh, quarterback acquisition in Cleveland, Deshaun Watson makes more per year than the entire Cleveland Guardians payroll. So, <laughs> and like, that's just ridiculous. Of course it's because he has a ridiculous contract, but it's also like, man, 
to have a team this good, to have the cornerstone blocks, you have an ace and you have your superstar. Those are the two things you need to start building. And the Dolans refuse to do that. Instead, they're piping a ton of money into their son's failed senatorial campaign. So Dolans sell the team, focus on someone else, try and win some games, the people at Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least you don't mince any words. I, I mean, I'm pretty much in agreement. This team, you know, I like to try to be optimistic about it, but. If we're being realistic, this team's not going to be very good. They have the fourth best odds to win this division for a reason. Um, I guess we'll, <laughs> I guess we'll have to see what happens. Um, but let's move on to another team in the division. This team has the third best odds to win the division. They're the so I guess the middle odds to win the division, and that's a team that's you know actually has semi high expectations. Um, based on what we've seen in the past, and that's the Detroit Tigers. Um, they have a new manager who's a full-on scumbag, and A.J. Hinch, who cheated his way to a World Series. Um, but last year, they started 8-19, and but finished the rest of the year 69-66, and which is pretty respectable. Um, they have a decent high expectations this year. They've spent a lot of money in the offseason. They signed Eduardo Rodriguez to be the ace of this team from the Red Sox. For five years, $77 million. And obviously, they signed Javi Baez as well, who, like I said before, is like the Russell Westbrook of the NBA, of the MLB. He's not a winning player. He never will be. He's I just don't like Javi Baez. And they also got Tucker Barnhart from the Reds in their selling spree that's gone on for the past few months. But surrounding Eduardo Rodriguez, this is really a team based on homegrown talent. They have lots of young pitching uh, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, Tariq Skubal. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Um, but lots of young pitchers that might be able to come together and give them a solid rotation. Um, and let's not forget, they have two consensus top 10 prospects who will be um, entering the lineup well, maybe on opening day. If not, at some point, that's Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green. Uh, so that, that'll be fun to look at. Obviously, Javi at shortstop, Tucker Barnhart at catcher. Miggy will be the DH as usual as he has been for the past 50 years on that team. Uh, and, and then you got some other good players surrounding the infield. Um, Condelario at third, he's consistent. He tied for the tied uh, the lead for most doubles in the majors last year with somebody we'll talk about on the Royals. Um, and then Jonathan, Jonathan Scoop, who's uh, – a, you know, another consistent hitter on this team. But, you know, Javi's the main pickup, Tucker Barnhart, Eduardo Rodriguez, young talent, homegrown talent, finished the season well last year. There's reasons to be optimistic if you're a Tigers fan. Um, but this year I just don't think is it. But I would expect this team in 2023 and moving forward to be a real competitor. Is that how you see it, James? How do you see this team? Yeah, I think it's kind of an interesting uh, area or zone where the Detroit Tigers are in right now compared to the last decade of Detroit baseball, maybe that, maybe that's too wide of a time horizon, maybe five years, right. definitely the most hope right. that they've had. I mean, look, I think there's actually reasons to pit on some games. I think that this team is certainly not going to be a force in the league, but I think we'll be able to remain competitive. Um, you know, Javi Baez to me is one of the biggest jokes in baseball, um, primarily stemming from the fact that he has the Major League Baseball logo tattooed on the back of his neck, which is like, 
I get it. Like, dude, you played in the major leagues. That would that's a dream that I had that I didn't even come anywhere in the same galaxy of completing. But like every player you ever play against in the rest of your career is also in major league baseball. It looks ridiculous. His strikeout rate is like 49%. I mean, the dude just is swing and miss king of the universe. If you put a slider eight feet off the plate, he's going down to one knee to miss it. Um, you know, I loved your joke about Miggy, who obviously, like, he's a monster. He's got to be a Hall of Famer, no question there. Maybe that's – we'll throw a segment on him. But, I mean, God, what is it? He's 25 seasons, something ridiculous. I mean, Miguel Cabrera, like, he <laughs> – he may have to get wheeled up to the plate. That's kind of the level we're talking with him. But I think the there's two good things that this season signifies to me. As you mentioned, a ton of great talent and prospects from the last five to ten years of being terrible. Uh, and finally getting those pieces kind of on an MLB field, get to see what you do, build up their game, their resume. Obviously, you know, you got to start somewhere um, with those young players. But I also think it's a great indication that management – and ownership is willing to spend some money, willing to toss their uh, cap into the circle, if you will. As you mentioned, huge notable um, off-season acquisitions. Eduardo Rodriguez uh, got an ace for the team to go with everyone. Obviously, he's paying Javi Baez, who I said, you know, he's a joke, but he is. Compared to the rest of this lineup, he has more name, more power, um, can play some really solid defense, and definitely can sell tickets. You know, just like you said, like Russell Westbrook, really good at selling tickets. You'll get him on Bleacher Report. You'll see some home runs. You'll see some crazy defensive plays. Some fights. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, all, all kinds of just different things like that. But to me, uh, you know, I, there's also bad news. As you mentioned, A.J. Hinch, the biggest scumbag in baseball besides Rob Manfred. How he has a, <laughs> how he has a job, I have actually no clue. Um, once again, I come back to, I think I said this last episode, but like, Barry Bonds is out of the Hall of Fame, but this dude has a job. Like, come on. Like, we got to, like, you got to lock in there. Um, But for Detroit, I think they're not going to do too much. I think they do actually exceed expectations. I do like their over-under. I think they're right around that 500 point. But if you can beat 500 while getting young arms and getting young players at bats and plate appearances and getting them ready for, as you said, next season and all that, when eventually – Jose Ramirez leaves the Guardians, and now they won't even be able to win 20 games. And, you know, <laughs> you just get in this position where they're actually, I think, setting up long-term, similar to how I see the Marlins. Okay, this year – they are very similar to how I see the Marlins, where it's okay, this year they're probably not making any postseason noise or really pushing anyone's feathers, but the league is on watch because they're getting ready to, to be a really good ball club. Um, so certainly Detroit Tigers baseball, it's like – it's kind of back. That's why I'd say it's kind of yeah, I think it is kind of back. I, I do think it is kind of back. This is a team that's struggled, you know, for a while. They they did have that spree. I mean, in like 2014, um, I mean, this team was like a real team. They had Verlander. They had Max Scherzer. I mean, this was one of the top teams in the American League for a, a decent stretch there. Um, and ever since that kind of all fell apart, you know, the Prince Fielder era, the Verlander era. They haven't really been at the top of their game anymore, but there's a lot to be optimistic about this team in particular and the years moving forward for the Tigers. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I'd definitely rather be a Tigers fan than a Guardians fan right now, but that's for sure. Um, but how about we finish this out? Um, let's go to the Kansas City Royals, who are plus 1,500 to win the division. 
They finished 74 and 88 last year in fourth place in the division. They're over unders at 77 and or over unders at 74 and a half. My apologies. Um, they're led by Mike Matheny, who, you know, I love to bring in the Cardinal references, but we had Tony Larusa, who was is the White Sox coach or manager for a while. We won the 2011 World Series. He left. We had Mike Matheny, who's now the Royals manager from 2012 to 2018. Um, and then after that, Mike Matheny has been the Royals manager since. This is a team that, honestly, I don't really get why they have the worst odds to win the division. I think this team has a decent amount going for them. They have Zach Granke back, who he started his career in Kansas City. He spent the first seven years of his career in Kansas City. He won a Cy Young in Kansas City. They have Brady Singer and Brad Keller in that rotation. It's a decent rotation, a young rotation that can learn a lot from a veteran like Zach Granke. They have Amir Garrett out of their bullpen, at least, who was in that fire sale by Cincinnati. Not that he's like, you know, a needle mover, but he's something. But I think this lineup has a lot going for it. Bobby Witt Jr., who's the top prospect in all of baseball, is expected to make his debut. And I think he is going to be really, really good. You know, people are already making Mike Trout comparisons based on his swing. He's been hitting some nukes in um, spring training. They have Whit Merrifield, who's a two-time All-Star. He played all 162 last year. Uh, he had m- the most at-bats in all of the major leagues. He was tied for the most doubles. He had 40 stolen bases. I mean, he's a real good player. And then they have Salvador Perez, who is just was an absolute animal last year. 48 homers, 121 RBIs, both tied um, or in the Major League lead. He's a seven-time All-Star, five-time Gold Glove, four-time Silver Slugger, a World Series MVP, um, probably the best catcher in baseball, um, probably right, right in front of Yasmani Grandal and the White Sox or JT Realmuto or Will Smith. But he's, I mean, like that, he's the guy. He was the guy last year. He was putting the Royals on SportsCenter, putting them on all the socials. He was the guy on that team. And, you know, if he can play that well again, they could be really good. They have Andrew Benatendi and Carlos Santana. This is a team that I just feel has, like, all these weird players who were, like, good at some point in the past, like Carlos Santana or Benatendi and... Uh, Zach Granke, it's like all these guys who are probably past their prime, but they're all on this team, combined with some young players. I don't know. I think they could do well. What do you think? Yeah, I like your read on it. I think them having the worst odds in this division makes no sense. Uh, I wish that there's a book or a bet that I could take specifically to bet that the Royals don't finish last in their division. Um, you know, I think Grinky has kind of a, a comeback or a little resurgence back in Kansas City where he's comfortable. You know, like you said, Amir Garrett, maybe not a needle mover, but gives them a presence, brings a ton of fire. Super passionate guy, juices up the lineup. I'm a huge Whit Merrifield guy. Um, I think he's really solid. I think he actually is about as solid as it comes. If you're talking second baseman, just just consistency, you know what you're getting. As you said, Salvador Perez, if he has the same season he had last year. And I loved your reference. He's the reason that I realized the Kansas City Royals were playing baseball last year. It was specifically because it was the Salvador Perez show. Um, Andrew Benatendi, Andrew Benatendi, sorry. If he, uh, you know, I think he's solid. 
brings a lot of fun. He was part of that awesome uh, Red Sox outfield with Mookie Betts uh, and Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, and, you know, I think it's – you just – you go around the horn and they're pretty solid. Not anything to write home about. They're certainly not the White Sox where position by position they're really loaded. But it's like, okay, Salvador Perez, you can't really get much better. You know, Carlos Santana, not the best, but not your worst option, as you said. I hate the comparisons, you know. Like, let's not start by comparing the kid to Mike Trout because, one, that's just not fair to him. Like, okay, you know, you now have to live up to the best player in baseball in the last 15 years. You know, have fun. But, I mean, he's been fun to watch in spring training. The hype is real. It'll be interesting to see – you know, what's going on. And I think it'll be interesting. I'm a huge Cabrian Hayes guy um, on on the Pirates. So seeing Bobby Witt Jr. versus him, I think they're going to end up battling for who's the best third baseman of the generation. Um, so that'll be something to keep track of. But, yeah, I mean, I don't expect the Royals to really do anything in terms of the playoff picture. Um, I don't think they're a team that if somehow they squeeze into a wild card in the way I think that the Twins may – I don't think they can make any noise. I don't really think they can do that. But I think they're going to far exceed expectations. Um, and once again, you know, if you can do that while bringing in these young players and, you know, get some excitement and get ready to maybe make a push here in a season or two, you know, I think that's kind of where they're at, similar to that Detroit type of mentality. Uh, I, I'm kind of up on this team. I, I feel pretty good. Um, saying the over on their seasons. I think that they do win 75-plus games. Um, a lot of that's going to come down to how that rotation materializes. But as you said, I don't think this is the worst team in the AL Central. I, I just don't. I don't think so either. I, I do like that over as well. I think, you know, I, w- I want to make that bet as well. I think this is a team, just if you look at their players and you look at their lineup, I think it's better than the Tigers I think it's better than the Guardians you know maybe the Guardians have a better rotation I think that's fair to say but you know from a lineup perspective I think this team has a lot of potential um and I actually I you know I was thinking while you were talking about that thinking about where I would place this team and I know that's something we'll get to next I guess maybe we can just get to it now what we think the final rankings the standings will be in this division but um I think this team that has a lot of potential, um, but you know, my standings, I have the white Sox winning. I have the twins in second. I'm going to put the Royals at third tigers at fourth. And I, <laughs> you convince me that the guardians suck. I'm going to put the guardians in last place. I just think they have the worst lineup. They have a decent rotation. Um, but I just don't know how, how well they'll be able to put up numbers offensively. And I think a lot of these other teams have a lot of young talent, lots of people coming up. But that being said, the the Indian, the Guardians, excuse me, have some talent coming in too. I just don't think it's at the same level as these other teams, and I think the veterans on these other teams are better. So I'm going, um, I'm going White Sox, Twins, Royals, Tigers, Guardians. How about you, James? Well, I would like for entertainment to maybe switch it up, but unfortunately, I don't think I can vary from that. Um, I definitely can lock in White Sox twins um, as one, two, but I think you can maybe have a conversation. The Royals and Tigers are pretty even, 
But I just think that the depth and the star power on the Royals is going to carry them. I think having Zach Greinke in the pen, you know, having your Perez, I think that's going to do it a bit. I think the Tigers are probably uh, altogether are a little more excited than the Royals, but I don't think they, you know, maybe getting new clips and all that, but I don't think they finish above them. So I'm actually going to lock in the exact same uh, order, unfortunately, of White Sox, Twins, Royals, Tigers, and the Guardians. I mean, the Guardians, God forbid, Jose Ramirez uh, or Shane Bieber can't, aren't ready to roll or get, encounter any injury. Their season is effectively over. Um, I mean, you know, I hate to be so hypercritical, but to me it's one of my biggest pet peeves. It's like you should not own a professional sports organization if you do not have the capital to compete to win. If you're not trying to win, you're not – you know, I mean, if you just want to make money, go open a Walmart or something. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I think you had to pit the Guardians down there. Um, so I think we have kind of the same thing. The two bets that I like, I like both the uh, Twins. Uh, the Twins over is maybe a little questionable. I think I'm going to pivot and say I really like the Royals over. I really feel confident in that. I think that's a really good team to to be slotted well under 500. Not well under, but six to seven games under 500. It's a good good amount under. Yeah, I mean, do you think that this is the worst division in baseball? Or, I, I mean, I guess just top to bottom worst division in baseball. I mean, the White Sox carry it, and obviously the White Sox are, you know, competing for a World Series. But I think it's fair to say just – thinking about the divisions we've talked to the AL East and NL East, I think are both definitely better than this division. The NL central, I think could make the argument that it's worse, but the Cardinals and Brewers are both very good that at least you have two teams that, you know, can compete in the postseason. And then the, the teams out West, obviously the, the NL West is just speaks for itself. They have, they have the teams, the AL West, you have the Astros, Mariners, Angels, Rangers. These are all teams that have a real chance. So I think this is the worst division in baseball. Yeah, I have to subscribe to your ideology there. Um, I think, quite frankly, both the both AL and NL East and West are all pretty strong, all competitive. I think it's really a matter of the central divisions that you have to look at for weakest. And as you mentioned with the NL Central, both the Brewers, both the Cardinals are actual threats to not only make the playoffs, which I think they both will, and we'll get to that next episode, but also threats to actually make noise in the playoff, win some series. I think the only team outside of the White Sox, who are very good, but you know, to me having one one team in a division of five doesn't make your division good. Then if you look at the next best team, like we said, is the Twins, who can maybe interfere or knock a or keep a better team out of the playoffs but not really make noise they just don't have the pitching to to be confident at all and like that's honestly like quite frankly i think in my opinion both the royals and detroit and cleveland actually have uh better pitching than um better pitching than the twins so it's just not a strong division. There's not a lot of like reasons to watch. Like at least Cleveland, who's the worst team in the division, and in my prediction, at least they have like Bieber, you know, and Ramirez to watch. But like, who are you going to watch in Detroit? Like, quite frankly, I mean, 
I guess you watch Miggy and just keep watching him, you know, pad his stats for his retirement. But, like, there's just not a lot to watch. There's not a lot to be too excited for. And I don't think it's a close division race. So, like, I think the White Sox take a pretty early lead. I think they keep it wire to wire, see if the Twins interfere, and and see how we feel these teams can do in the next couple of years. That's really what the season is about for those bottom three teams. It's like, okay, where can the Royals, where can the Tigers, where can be the Guardians be in a year or two? Um, and that's really it. And we'll see if Bieber's healthy and wins a Cy Young. That's the division. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say about the Tigers is that they, they do have two top 10 prospects coming in and a young pitching core. So I think you can be excited about that. But this year, I mean, like, God, I would not be excited to watch Javi Baez be the star of my team. Like, I'd rather just not watch baseball than watch that. That would be so bad. Um, but it, it's it's an interesting division. Um, you know, maybe some storylines develop as the season progress. But right now, it just seems like let's hand it to the White Sox and move to the postseason. Um, but I guess that's all I really have to say about that. I guess real quick, some other news that I want to f- – keep track of is Albert maybe back to the Cardinals I know we're talking about the NL Central next which will be fantastic because I've got a lot to say about St. Louis but I hope Albert comes back Um, James I wanted to ask you because you know probably no one's listening at this point how do you feel about Belly Cody Bellinger striking out 14 of his 19 at bats in spring training it's vintage he looks vintage we're ready for another (laughs) 170 See and see. Here's the thing: it doesn't even bother me because you could just jam Bellinger to the eight hole, have him hit monster bombs versus the Braves when you need it in the playoffs, and just keep him there to be a ridiculous fielder and bat 170 all year, and it doesn't matter because every other position is so good. Um, obviously, it's a little concerning. We'll get into it with the NOS. I really thought he was going to have a bounce back season. I still sort of think it, but like currently, it literally looks like he can't see the fucking baseball. Uh, I mean, it's been, it's been abysmal. Um, it's not even close strikeouts. I mean, he's way behind on the ball. He's way early. He's swinging at balls that are eight uh, feet off the plate. Um, (laughs) vintage. So so, yeah, he's, he's looking vintage and not the uh, MVP season, but who knows, you know, he's a very streaky player. He's always trying a new stance. Uh, I, I implore him more than anything to please try out. Uh, the stance he used when he hit nearly 400 and was NL MVP. That was really awesome. I definitely would pull that stance back out. He he is switching back to Hotel California as the walk-up song. So I'm not worried. <laughs> Get the song on. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be NL MVP, but I'm saying he bats 250 at least. So <laughs> I think that's a good over-under for him, 250 at the plate. Uh, although I do want to ask you back to the AL Central just briefly. Yeah. The same question, which is you get one player. Who is your player to watch in this division? That that's a good question. Um, I'm glad I'm glad you remember to do this because this is a good good segment. Um, you know, trying to rack my brain real quick. I think the player that I'm going to choose is Bobby Wood Jr. I mean, I think it's tough not to. He's the number one prospect in baseball. He's got a lot of hype for him. I'm really interested to see how he does because I think he can be a key piece on this Royals team, Royals team in the in the years moving forward, and I'm really interested to see how he performs. How about you? Who, who, who are you keeping your eye on? Well, that, that is very tough. I would say I'm between 
I'm between three, really three players. Uh, one of them is the only, one of the only players with credence on the Guardians. That's just, uh, you know, I'll just say it. I'm not going to count it officially, but I think Shane Bieber is always on Cy Young watch when healthy. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens there. I'm really, really torn here. Uh, I'm shaking up. I wanted to initially... Here's what I'm actually... I have a, a whole groundbreaking revolution here. I wanted to here say By, Byron Buxton because I genuinely think that he has a good chance at uh, AL MVP. I think he's going to, you know, kind of clear up that injury. Uh, and I think he could be critical to pushing the Twins over the top in that disruptor role. But I'm actually going to switch. Huge brain move here. It's got to be Salvador Perez. Because if he has the season he does, and Bobby Witt, as you mentioned, and some of these guys log in and Grinky can get vintage with it, the Royals may actually pass the Twins and take over that disrupting role. I mean, if everything goes as good as it can for the Royals, they're good enough to be the second team in this division. Mm. To me, the biggest player that, you know, you pick Bobby Witt, I'm picking Perez. And I think that's just a testament that we both think this Royals team isn't as far away as the rest of baseball thinks. A couple players play the right way. I don't know. There's a new disruptor in town, and Carlos Correa's trash can won't make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a good point. I, I think this Royals team, I think we're on it, and I think we'll have to pull some clips from this episode back when the Royals sneak into a wild card spot and say that we were on it the whole time. We've been kind of on point. You know, we predicted the Matt Olson trade, um, and I think some other things, but, you know, we're making good predictions. Um, but, I, you know, that's all I have to say about the AL Central. Um, we're already at 53 minutes. That's about what we've been at in the past. James, any final thoughts about the AL, AL Central um, or anything else before we prepare for the NL Central on Tuesday, which I'm excited for? Yeah, I think mainly it's just like as we get closer and closer, I'm absolutely stoked for baseball. Um, really excited, not necessarily because of this division. Um, although I'm trying to remember who is the uh, – Who's the Field of Dreams game this year? I know it's Cincinnati Reds first. I think it's the Cubs. It's so bad. Uh, is it Reds-Cubs? Oh, my God. Uh, well, we'll get into that in the NL Central. Arguably the, the most marketable game in the MLB regular season. They're pitting two of the worst teams of baseball in. Um, absolutely huge brain activity from Rob Manfred. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's not really much to say here. I think what's going to be fun is the teams that aren't Chicago. Quite frankly, you have the AL Central as far as keeping up with the White Sox, and really it's a test of are they good enough to be contenders. They're already going to win the division. Uh, you know, Bet the mortgage on that if you want, but you're going to get terrible odds. Like you said, they're, they're minus 200 nearly to win a division, which is almost unheard of. Um, right, that's insane. So you know, you, it's just watching the White Sox to see if they're good enough to actually be contenders uh, and maybe you know get into the fall classic. Then – there's watching the rest of the teams and seeing, okay, who could be in this disruptor role? You know, did the twins late, you know, meddling or not meddling, but you know, they're late scheming produce enough to get to the playoffs. Can they get that monkey off their back and at least get a win or two, you know, and then how are these other teams set up? So I guess it's entertaining for the storyline point, but I'm not actually too excited about the baseball that will be played. Yeah. We'll have to see. We'll see if any storylines come up throughout the season. Um, but yeah, that wraps it up. Uh, James, it was a good episode.
Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening, everyone.